The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker, and you are listening to episode 165 of the podcast, or you're joining us live here on YouTube. Remember to subscribe to YouTube and turn your notifications on if you want to join in on the live chat. And if you haven't done that yet, then I guess you're not going to. And I'll keep reminding you every week anyway, though, in case you change your mind. Today is Sunday, November the 3rd. I hope everybody had a fun-filled and safe Halloween. Uh, it seems like it has come and gone so quickly, and now we're already, we've dove headfirst into the holiday season. Uh, we're coming off a of UFC 244. Jorge Mazidal versus Nate Diaz for the title of the baddest motherfucker in mixed martial arts. Before we get into all that, let me introduce my co-host, who is very time disoriented with this uh, daylight savings time. Also, don't forget to change the batteries in your smoke detectors, folks. Uh, I like to remind people of that so you're not woken up in the middle of the night uh, with that battery change sound uh, that makes you think your house is on fire. In any case, all the way from New Jersey, which, according to him, is in a different time zone today, Jeff the animal Wilson, Jeff. I hope uh, I hope this time change doesn't affect you know when the soup is ready, kid. Bill, it feels like it's nine thirty. I, I don't know what time it's supposed to be, but it feels like it's nine thirty. It's too early for this. <laughs> I just want to tell the listeners when we when we started this show when we came on, <laughs> I had to tell Jeff it was daylight saving first of all, and he said, "What time is it?" And I said, "It's ten forty. And he said, "What time is it supposed to be?" <laughs> I said it, it's supposed to be 1040 because that's what time it is. <laughs> and I said, but if we didn't have daylight savings time, it would be 1140. And he said, oh, well, it feels like 930. So you're off by like two hours and 10 minutes, Jeff. Um, <laughs> but that's that's part of your charm. <laughs> Yeah, Bill, listen, when it when it comes to like work and stuff, I can I can fake it until I make it. But outside of work, dude, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what day it is. It's start, uh, until summertime, I don't know what day it is, dude. Yeah. Well, we've been faking this show for like three and a half years, and like people seem to think we know what we're talking about. <laughs> but uh jokes on them, dude. That's the trick to this treat, man. Yeah, man. We got uh we got some bad motherfuckery to talk about. Uh I'm excited. I have a reason to swear so much. I don't. I don't swear a lot in my everyday life. It's not. It's not really something that I do. But somebody pointed out to me that I swear a lot on the show. But you know, fuck you. It's my show. I can do what I want. Uh, <laughs> and that's why it's uh, it's ten forty or or nine thirty or I don't even know. You confuse me, Jeff. And I, I bored myself a bourbon here. And you know why? Because I'm the baddest motherfucker in MMA podcasting. I think I can claim that title. Um, because I'm just like, you know, drinking whiskey and talking about bad motherfuckers. But in any case, I got some, uh, Woodenville bourbon here that my buddy Matt, uh, brought over last night. It's bourbon whiskey 
from Washington State. And uh, it's pretty damn good. There, there was a time, Jeff, where uh, bourbon was only bourbon if it came from the bourbon belt in Kentucky. Mm. Uh, and some purists still believe, like, well, it's not bourbon if it wasn't made in the bourbon belt. And I say, um, just pour me a glass. <laughs> That's what I say. If you say it's bourbon and it's made out of corn and it and it's sweet and um, you know it's that it's that awesome life force that is bourbon, then uh, pour me a glass. And that's what I said. And uh, I had some last night. I remember really enjoying it, but it was kind of mixed in with some other things. Um, you know, there were a lot of beverages being served and mostly to me. Uh, so we'll <laughs> get the real verdict now. Yeah, I still like it. Okay, so it's got a nice burn to it. Really nice burn. A little sweetness, a little brown sugar, a uh, little black pepper on the back end, and uh, almost like a little cinnamon. It's a, hmm. it's a really nice bourbon. Uh, it, it burns a little extra because I'm on an empty stomach right now. So uh, let's see how this show goes, Jeff. Empty stomach, uh, bourbon at 9.30 or 10.40 or whatever the fuck time it is, and we got some some bad motherfucker business to talk about. So let's start at the top, man. I mean, this card overall delivered. Uh, if you're a fan of mixed martial arts and you didn't like this card, um, you know, maybe, maybe go find something else to watch because I, every single fight was awesome. Top to bottom. As soon as the curtain opened on this show, it was nonstop. I mean, there was maybe a couple of lulls in there, but I mean, you really can't ask for more. Um, it, anticlimactic ending to say the least. Um, but I feel like it, it, it helped create a little bit more buzz. I, I'm going to try and take this, um, a positive way if I can, but first I want to get your reaction to the actual fight, Jeff Jorge Masvidal just, uh, you know, beating the brakes off of Nate Diaz for three rounds straight. Uh, you know, it was a 15 minute one-sided beating for game bread here uh give me your thoughts on on the fight and and the way it ended well how do i put this um i know it's not a popular opinion but i i'm glad the fight ended when it did because nate diaz has no quit in him and i think that that was essentially his downfall here i mean Jorge Masvidal just came out with this killer pace, dude. Throwing, he threw everything but the kitchen sink at this guy, man. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't expect that to happen at all. Um, you know, I thought that Nate Diaz would would kind of, you know, find a way to, you know, ex uh, shell up a little bit and just get Jorge Masvidal tired. But I, I you know, I misunder, I miscalculated Jorge Masvidal's cardio dude uh he never looked like he was getting tired in there you mm -hmm. know kept the same pace for three rounds and for lack of a better term you know i can't really find a technical way to say this but he beat the shit out of nate diaz dude mm -hmm. um you know from from the first like two or three elbows that he threw nate diaz's eye was cut up and i know he has a lot of scar tissue which led to all the bleeding you know and, and it looked like the blood was pouring into his eye too so you know masvidal just you know, throwing caution to the wind and, 
like like I said, man, I think the biggest thing about this is Masvidal's pace, dude. Just the the output. I, I've never seen Nate Diaz just swarmed the way that he was. Uh, maybe against Rafael Dos Anjos, but it, it was just a different level against Jorge Masvidal last night. Yeah, man, and it was a controlled swarming too. Like I don't feel like he ever really tried to empty his gas tank, like through everything at him to try and get the finish. Like it was just, it was just a controlled, calculated beating. Uh, and you saw Nate, you know, had a couple of spots. He he dove for a heel hook at the end of the second round. There, um, you, you know, a couple of things where he he looked pretty good. He he landed some, you know, some of his trademark pitter patter boxing but man this was this was really one-sided uh if it was a if it was a three-round fight masvidal would have won with a with a couple of 10-8 rounds i think and um i i can understand the argument that if it had gone into the fourth and fifth we might have seen nate take it into a higher gear uh and put the pace back on masvidal who could have faded but I mean, we can't say anything for sure, uh, but yeah. you know, each guy was saying after the fact that he thought the other guy was getting tired. You know, Masvidal said he thought Nate was uh, fading and Nate said he thought Masvidal was fading and things were going to start going his way. Um, so th there's no way to say what would have happened. Uh, I I'm going to take a different angle with this too and say that the baddest motherfucker in the building last night at Madison Square Garden might have been the doctor who stopped the fight a and hear me out on this. He went in there and told Nate Diaz, obviously one of the baddest motherfuckers on the planet that he's not allowed to continue fighting. And he told Jorge Masvidal that he's not going to get the chance to get an actual finish inside the cage. And he did it in front of 10,000 angry New Yorkers who want to see these bad motherfuckers go the distance. If not, you know, one of them end up uh, dead in there. Um, that takes a lot of guts. Um, you know, whether or not it was the right thing for Nate, I can't say. I'm not a doctor. Uh, he does have a lot of scar tissue. He even said in the post-fight press conference, if you sneeze on me, I bleed. Uh, and this same area has cut a couple of times. He's going to need some plastic surgery to, to, to seal that back up. Uh, it did look like from certain angles that, it, his eyelid was detached and it was kind of hanging yeah. over his eye and credit to his cup man, because you know, Nate's argument was my eye was just as bad between the second and third as it was at the end of the third, but his cup man grabbed him after that second round. And he, <clears throat> he popped that thing open and stuffed it with Vaseline so quick uh, and kind of like squeezed it back shut. And, and made it look clean for him coming out in the third round. And I think that's the only reason the doctor wasn't brought in between the second and third. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there were a couple of times in there where this fight could have been stopped if it was anybody but Nate Diaz in there uh, taking that beating. Uh, you know, credit to Dan Mergliata for letting it go on and knowing the toughness and the durability of Nate Diaz, which nobody can ever question. I mean, he he would have died in there. Uh, and there's no doubt in my mind about that. Both of these guys would have, that's why they were fighting for this title. I got to tell you, Jeff, more disappointing to me than the ending was the fact that I didn't get to hear Bruce Buffer say baddest motherfucker. I was mm. like, cause we were, we were talking about it. I had some people over the house last night. We were watching it, uh, outside on the projector screen. Cause it was, uh, a crisp 72 degrees here in Florida. It was one of the nicest days, 
nights we've had all year. And uh, I was like, I wonder if there's a prop bet if a Bruce Buffer will say motherfucker. And that would have been so awesome. I would want that on replay. Like I would want to listen to that every morning when I wake up just for inspiration <laughs> for my day. But he didn't, man. He said BMF, and I was so disappointed. But also it was kind of what I expected. Um, I I don't know what to what else to say, man. Both of these guys are going to need some time off. You know, Masvidal said he had some hand injuries during this camp. Nate Diaz had a knee injury in this camp which is why he said he wasn't as confident in his cardio, and that's why he wasn't able to push the pace. So for those making the argument that maybe he would have pushed the pace a little more in the fourth and fifth, uh, maybe he wouldn't have been able to because he didn't he didn't have uh, all the running in his camp that he normally has that, that gives him the confidence in his cardio. And he was very specific to say it gives him confidence in his cardio, not that it improves his cardio. Um, mm. I, I thought that was an interesting distinction by Nate there. Um in any case, man, uh, stock doesn't go down for either of these guys. Um, I'd be excited to see whatever's next for them, but I think they both need some well-deserved time off. Uh, they were both kind of rushed into this fight pretty quick. Uh, yeah. You know, um, Nate still has some damage from his fight with uh, with Pettis, and Masvidal had a quick turnaround. Even though he only had a five-second fight, he had a hard camp for that Ben Askren fight, and he, he was battling some injuries during that as well. Um so these guys were kind of pushed into this a little bit quick. Um, I think they both deserve some time off. As for running it back, I I can almost guarantee that will not be the next fight for both of these guys. Um, Masvidal will likely get the winner of Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington, especially since there's a lot of drama there with his still teammate, Colby Covington. These guys have been kind of talking some shit back and forth. Uh, whether that's real or not, uh, I can't really say. I don't know if there's a genuine dislike there or if they're just kind of playing it up to to get some attention and, and they're both in on it. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't seem like Masvidal would be that kind of guy, but, you, you know, you can't rule anything out. Um, in any case, still an awesome night, man. I think this was still, you know, the cherry on top of, a, of an amazing fight card. Uh, it was an awesome performance from Jorge Masvidal. And, of course, you know, we were reminded how tough Nate Diaz is. I think that was this main event in a nutshell. Uh, any other thoughts on this one before we move on, Jeff? No, dude, I thought it was an exciting fight up until it ended. Uh, you know, and like we said, both of these guys are fucking warriors, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and still, you know, credit to that doctor, man. I don't know how he made it out of that building alive. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, that, That's some task. Um, in any case, co-main event, not as exciting. Um, th this one ended in a more fucked up way than the, uh, than the main event, in my opinion. And it's not because of who won. I think Till deserved to, to get the decision here, but it was a split decision. One judge had a 30, 27 for Till, which I thought was absurd. One judge had a 30, 27 for Gastelum, which is even more absurd. <laughs> and then whoever that third judge is got it right. You know, two rounds for Till and one for Gastelum. I mean, I, I think, you know, you could train somebody who's never watched an MMA fight to to come to that conclusion. Um, but I I'm always amazed at at like what what the fuck are these people watching that you saw it so one sided for one guy and someone else saw it so one sided for the other guy. This always blows my mind when this happens at 30, 27 for for either guy. Um, I could 
I mean, I can entertain it. I'm okay with it being a split decision. Like maybe if you thought Gasolum had some shiny moments if and and you thought he was landing some shots that Till was really evading, but like he really didn't he really didn't touch Till that much at all. Uh he had a couple of nice takedowns, which like if you're impressed with takedowns, okay, but he wasn't able to keep them down. Um, you know, this was a this was a striking and evasiveness clinic, and Till had a more impressive victory over Gaslam than the current champion Israel Adesanya did. Uh, I think he had a much easier time because Adesanya got rocked by Gaslam quite a bit. Um, you know, granted it was a longer fight, but uh, you know, Till really had an easier time with him, and I think he shows that he belongs in this middleweight division. Um, I'll be interested to see what's next for for him. Uh, give me your thoughts on this fight, Jeff. Bill, speaking of Darren Tell at middleweight, it, it makes you wonder, seeing him in there with Kelvin Gastelum, how the fuck he ever made one second. <laughs> the yeah. dude's gigantic. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, um, you know, I love seeing Darren Till at 185, man. He looked good in there. I think, uh, uh, who said this? I, I forget if it was Dominic Cruz or Joe Rogan. But one of them said, we're seeing the Darren Till we wanted to see at 170. And I thought that statement was super accurate. You know, Darren Till looked fantastic in there. He, you know, whenever they would clinch up, Darren Till looked like he was stronger than Kelvin Gastelum. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, whenever Kelvin Gastelum went to take him down, either Darren Till would pop back up or use the momentum to keep Darren to keep uh, Kelvin Gastelum going and then get up from there. And I think that we saw some improvements in his grappling. You know. Um, and I thought he was very calculated. He kind of looked like a more aggressive Stephen Thompson mm-hmm. in his fighting style. You know, he was in and out, but he was also pushing forward. He was uh, he found you know, his uh, his range really quickly. Um, I loved the first round. He was using leg kicks to really stifle Kelvin Gastelum, and I think those leg kicks paid off uh, throughout the fight especially in the second round too. And mm-hmm. I thought that Darren Till's footwork looked phenomenal. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he talked a little bit at the end in the interview about how, you know, he had to change his mentality after going from unbeaten to two straight losses to two finishes actually. Yeah. And dude, I think Darren Till, I don't know what he's doing, but I think he's doing the right things, man. Um, I'd like for him to stay out of trouble a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of the cage, but that's besides the point. I think that um, you know the fact that he took on one of the top five guys in a in a in the weight class up speaks volumes. So mm-hmm. I think Darren Till. I'm excited to see what's next for him at 185. Man, I think we need for the most part at 185. It's a lot of strikers with grappling. I think mm-hmm. that Darren Till can kind of hang with these guys uh, in the upper echelon of the 185 pound division. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of interesting fights for him as well. Uh, you know, this is a division that's wide open. Not a lot of guys have fights right now. Uh, you know, you had Jacare move up to 205. He's going to fight Jan Blahovic coming up pretty soon. Other than that, uh, everybody's open. You got, uh, you know, Uriah Hall and Darren Till would be a fun fucking fight uh, in my book. Um, uh, you know, you got... Um, you got a lot of interesting matchups here. Uh, you know, obviously Paulo Costa is injured. Um, and, uh, you know, it's probably going to be Romero stepping up for that title shot, but if it's not Romero and Darren Till would be a really fun fight. Yeah. Um, you you know, there's a lot of fun things. I just want to give a little shout out here. We got Marcus 
from Brazil. He's in here commenting. He's upset about Johnny Walker, obviously, because, uh, you know, fellow Brazilian there taking a big walk <laughs> last night. So uh, we'll get to that fight, Marcus. I, pr I appreciate you coming in and, and commenting. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of fun things. I think it's a, it's a wide open division. I think there's a lot of good fights for Kelvin Gastelum as well. You know, he needs to go back and, and kind of reassess some things. I think he was chasing a little bit too much last night. Um, and, and he paid for it. You know, normally his style is, you know, take damage to give damage. And then, uh, you know, it, it usually pays off for him, but it, it didn't in this case because we saw a patient and calculated Darren Till who wasn't so concerned with getting uh, an explosive finish. He was concerned with winning the fight after coming off of two losses. And, you know, that's a, that's a really dangerous uh, opponent to have uh, is a patient Darren Till. Um, speaking of patience, we saw – the least amount of patience I think we've ever seen from wonder boy last night. Um, Vicente Luque was able to engage him in a little bit of a brawl, uh, you know, more so than we've ever seen out of wonder boy. And, and at first it seemed like Luque was kind of playing wonder boy's game where he was pressuring forward and getting countered a lot. Um, and it was kind of working for him. I, I could see someone scoring that first round for Luke. I, I thought maybe he won that one. But after that, it was all Wonder Boy. And, and what's really impressive about it is he was fighting Luke's fight. You know, he wasn't he wasn't keeping the distance the way he normally does. He wasn't, you know, teeping the leg and uh, teeping the knee and teeping the body and, and throwing kicks to keep him at distance. He was fighting in a phone booth with Vicente Luque, which is a dangerous game to play. Uh, and he was winning and he was busting him up. Um, and, and that, that third round was easily a 10, eight for wonder boy. I think only, only one judge didn't give him a 10, eight in that third round. Um, the only thing I, I was thinking about Wonder Boy is like maybe he doesn't have that killer instinct. You know, if he doesn't get that instantaneous knockout where the lights are just off, he doesn't like to um he doesn't like to swarm on guys when they're hurt. It's almost like he's too nice of a guy, like he doesn't want to hit them when they're when they're vulnerable. But other than that, I thought it was a pretty flawless performance from Wonder Boy. I think he broke his uh he broke his right hand so he'll be on the bench for a little bit but um you know he's able to redeem himself uh after that knockout loss to anthony pettis give me your thoughts on this one jeff yeah but i'm with you 100 percent, man i liked the the more aggressive wonder boy you know he was advancing he was moving forward like you said he was he was in the pocket with vicente luque man and i agree with you i think that's a dangerous game to play because luque caught him a few times man um and and those were the times where we saw Wonder Boy back up a little bit and kind of readjust and take a second, which mm -hmm. you know I, I'm not uh, you know I don't I didn't hate him for that. I think that uh, Wonder Boy. I think after getting knocked out, he realized that his style is effective, but sometimes he's got to push the pace a little bit. He's got to push forward, and I like seeing that from him yesterday, man. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, I was worried at first. Mm -hmm. You know, early in the second round, he he was getting in Vicente Luque's face, mm -hmm. and you know Luque was was catching him with a few left hooks, an overhand right, 
that uh, that hurt Thompson. So I was a little bit worried. I thought maybe Vicente Luque would end up getting a flash knockout here, but you uh-huh. know Thompson was was calm. He was calculated while still being aggressive, and you know I I think I appreciate Wonder Boy even the more for it. And mm-hmm. you know the fact that he walks out to Wonder Boy by Tenacious D. How can you hate <laughs> this man, Bill? Yeah, man, he's definitely a likable guy. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to find a reason to not like him. Uh, I think he realized too with his patient counter striking style um you, you know people would just choose to not engage with him like tyron woodley yeah. um you know and that became the blueprint to beat him you know you, you know just being as patient as he was so uh the fact that he was willing to engage in luke's style um you know definitely uh boosted wonder boy up in my book uh i i think that was the most impressive way he could have won even if he knocked luke out in the first round i think this was more impressive because he showed that he could beat luke at his own game you know it if he caught him with a with a knockout in the first round like okay that's wonder boy's game but you know he the fact that he beat luke fighting in a phone booth um is uh is super impressive uh another impressive one Derek lewis man looking in the best shape of his life i don't know what the fuck Blagoy Ivanov's head is made out of. The fact that he was taking those shots from Derek Lewis and kept coming forward is insane. Um I mean we saw we saw some amazing uh chins this night. You know, Nate Diaz obviously can take a shot. If you think about uh just to rewind a little bit, you think about the fact that Ma- how gigantic Darren Till was and how he towered over Kelvin Gaslam. Then think about the fact that Masvidal knocked him out cold. Yeah. Wow. And he hit Nate Diaz with those same shots and wasn't able to put Nate Diaz away. So I know MMA math doesn't really work, but that says a lot for the chin of Nate Diaz. Now let's get back to the chin of Blagoy Ivanov. Uh, took some monster shots from, from Derek Lewis. And it was so funny how Derek Lewis seemed to almost let Ivanov take him down. And then, get into side control and just kind of rest there and let him lock up an Americana twice. That was really tight, putting a lot of torque on the shoulder. It looked like he was even loading up his hand to tap a couple of times. And then, you know, once he felt like it had gone too far, he just chucks Ivanov off of him and then, and then rushes him like a fucking grizzly bear. It was terrifying. You know, imagine letting go of a submission and you got Derek Lewis running after you, an in shape Derek Lewis, uh, and he's trying to take your head off. Uh, give me your thoughts here, Jeff. Yeah, dude, just to comment on how Derek Lewis looked, man, he's, you know, he weighs the same, but he, he's looking, you know, a little slimmer, you know, especially in his midsection, he's looking good. Uh-huh. And, <clears throat> dude, I, I was impressed, man. Uh, Blago Ivanov is, is a very good grappler. You know, he's got some very good shoulder locks. And, you know, Derek Lewis went toe-to-toe with him. He he was there to to basically get out of everything that Blago Ivanov had for him. And, you know, he was hitting him with some bombs. And Ivanov is just such a tough dude, man. Um, you know, I can't remember him being finished in the UFC by knockout as of yet maybe he has been don't quote me on this but he's just a tough dude man um and he's up there in years so you know it's it's like we said you know power's the last thing to go so i was very excited for this one i think that you know both of these guys just you know their styles kind of 
how do I put this? Not that they canceled each other out, but their styles definitely made for an interesting matchup. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was surprised that neither could finish the other. So a very, very good fight. Um, I think Derek Lewis, you know, I think he's working his way back to a title shot here. Maybe not anytime soon, but I can't think of, you know, who else could go with Stipe at the moment, unless they want to do DC Stipe part three. Um, but I don't know if uh, Cormier would go for that. But yeah, dude, I, I think it's a good time in the heavyweight division for Derek Lewis to kind of make a comeback to the title here. Yeah, yeah. And and just one more comment about the chin of Ivanov here. So his last three fights, Ty Tuivasa, Ben Rothwell, Junior Dos Santos. Those were his three fights in the UFC. And he took a lot of damage in all of those fights. And none of those guys who are all knockout artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there's any arguing that. Um, Dos Santos, Rothwell, and Tuivasa between them probably have 40 knockouts. Um and none of them were able to knock Ivanov out. Uh, you know, he lost yeah. to Dos Santos, but uh, he won decisions over Rothwell and Tuivasa, and those are both really close fights. As was this one. One judge gave it to uh, Ivanov here. I don't, I don't really see why. I mean, he had those couple of takedowns where, where Lewis was clearly letting him stay on top just so he could rest and get a breather, and he had those submissions that were locked in tight and really close. But, um, he, you know, I don't think submission attempts should count as much in MMA as they do in jujitsu competition. Um, I thought this was a clear win for Derek Lewis. Uh, I don't know why one judge would have given it to even off. Maybe it was the same judge who gave a 30, 27 to Kelvin Gastelum. Um, I don't know that to be true. I don't plan on looking it up. If you want to look it up and let me know, uh, uh, feel free, send me a message and, uh, (laughs) and we can talk about it. Uh, Speaking of looking up, things are not looking up for Gregor Gillespie, man. One of the most horrific knockouts you'll ever see. A beautiful setup from Kevin Lee. You know, the right hand knocking Gillespie right into the left shin, right on the jaw. Uh, I have not heard an update on Gillespie, but I would not be surprised to hear he has a broken jaw. Uh, The way he went down was so gruesome. Um and, you know, everybody loves an exciting knockout, but it was the kind of thing where you were immediately concerned for him. Um, you know, here's a guy in Gregor Gillespie never had a bad thing to say about anybody. Um, so you, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't wish this finish on anyone, but, uh, credit to Kevin Lee. He looked fantastic in there. Uh, you know, he was patient. He was calculated. He came in with a super low stance to, to try and counter the wrestling of, of Gillespie and Kevin Lee admitted this was the most dangerous fight he could have taken. Uh, in my opinion, Gregor Gillespie is the best wrestler in the division. That includes the champion could be even Magomedov. Uh, now uh, as for wrestling in MMA, maybe Khabib is better, but if it was a straight wrestling match in open space, uh, I would think that Gillespie would be able to get the better of him. He's an Olympic caliber wrestler. A lot of people don't realize that four time, all-American at Edinburgh and Long Island. Um, The fact that he was an All-American as a freshman is amazing. The only reason he didn't go to the Olympics was because he was in the same weight division as Jordan Burroughs, and he thought he would be wasting his time. Um, Other than that, he would be an Olympian. Uh, He decided to take the MMA path instead. Uh, Undefeated coming into this fight, uh, I, I said last week on the show, Jeff, that Gillespie has nasty wrestling 
and he could definitely take Kevin Lee down and hold him down and beat him up for three rounds, but he gets hit a lot. Um, and he was getting a little too confident with his striking, but his striking looked good. You know, he was landing that stiff jab on Kevin Lee busted his nose up pretty well. Um, but you know, he just kept coming in and he was, he wasn't getting his hands back to his face quick enough. And Kevin Lee timed it and capitalized on it. Uh, you know, he took a bunch of jabs to the face and got blooded up in the process. But, uh, in the end he got, um, the most impressive highlight reel finish of his career. And, and just like that, Kevin Lee is right back in the mix here with a win over the uh, formerly undefeated Gregory Gillespie. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, dude, this knockout was concerning, man. Um, you know, I think I woke the people up upstate who live upstairs from me, man, because <laughs> uh, when Gregor Gillespie's body hit the floor and the cage, I was like, Oh fuck. That was, that was my reaction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, dude, um, it was just a beautiful setup from Kevin Lee, man. That right hand into the, the left uh, into the left shin, like you said. You know, it was like a pendulum just going back and forth. It was really nice, man. I, I like finishes like that. And I, I think – and you said this last week, Bill, that Kevin Lee would be the better striker. And that, that was the case, man. I, I'll be honest with you. I thought Greg Gillespie had this one in the bag. Uh, because of his wrestling, uh -huh. but man, Kevin Lee changed up his camp, went to TriStar, and just you know things are going. They look like they're going well, man. I'm excited to see what's next for Kevin Lee. You know he's so young in this 155 pound division, and you know his. I don't think his stock has ever gone down. He's taken some very very, very tough fights in the last couple of outings that he's had and you know i think the sky's the limit for kevin lee here man with tristar um mm -hmm. you know he and he gives a lot of credit to joe rogan for that so you know good eye for joe rogan and you know good good uh good ahead on on kevin lee's shoulders for taking the advice mm -hmm. and saying yeah let's give it a try so you know kevin lee looked great out there i don't think gregor gillespie's stock goes down at all you know he's still one of the toughest dudes in this 155 pound division but i think that's a huge kevin yeah a huge feather in kevin lee's cap here yeah i think we're gonna we're gonna see a lot from gregor gillespie because he likes to take a lot of time in between fights anyway obviously he's gonna need a, a lot longer to recover from this one it likely has a broken jaw but uh you know it's his first loss and here's a guy who's not used to dealing with defeat. So let's see if he's the kind of guy who it motivates him or it breaks him. Uh, you know, and it's usually one or the other with these high level athletes. As for Kevin Lee, I've been really high on Kevin Lee in the past, but I've always said about him. He's one of the best lightweights in the world when things are going his way. And as soon as he hits some real adversity, uh, like starts really losing the fight, uh, he kind of checks out mentally. Um, so I, I would like to see him get another tough fight with a top competitor who can put him in some tough spots and see how he deals with that, you know, with his new coaching and everything like that. Um, you know, after his coach, Robert Fallis, unfortunately passed away, he didn't really have any guidance. He was kind of his own coach. Uh, and I think that was probably the worst thing that could have happened for his career it would have been better if he latched onto another coach sooner and, and didn't take those tough losses. Um, and, and then he kind of wandered around like a lost soul for a little bit, but I would like to see him get a really tough fight, face some real adversity, like 
you know, get held down for a whole round or, or, you know, get rocked really bad and, and see how he bounces back from that. And then we'll know, uh, you know, if we have a championship caliber, Kevin Lee on our hands. Um, speaking of championship caliber, Corey Anderson, man, I, I had picked Corey Anderson to win this fight, but I would have never in a million years thought that he would have won it in the way that he did just blasting Johnny Walker. And he said, you know, that was his plan. The, the overhand, right. Uh, he had, he had seen Johnny Walker get knocked out with that same punch, uh, two fights in a row early on. And I guess he knew what to look out for. I mean, I saw Corey Anderson wearing Johnny Walker down in this fight and, and really just breaking him and showing him that there's levels to this game and using his wrestling, um, and, and making him carry his weight so that he was too exhausted to go on and then maybe getting a late TKO. I would have never predicted a knockout in this fashion from Corey Anderson, but this was the best we've ever seen him look. And he is a man on fire. He wants John Jones. He's not going to get it. I don't think. Um, but man, it was impressive. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, dude. Anderson went in there. Like he had a chip on both shoulders, man. I loved it. He was angry, you know, when the ref pulled him off him, he was still in uh, yelling in Johnny Walker's face. Man, I fucking loved it. And, uh, you know, listen, Johnny Walker, um, you know, he's young, man. Um, he's still got a long way to go. So, uh, you know, I think Corey Anderson definitely felt like he was being overlooked, which I felt like it was the case here. Uh, you know, Johnny Walker, you know, I, I'm a fan of his. I like him. But Corey Anderson's just a tough dude. And, Bill, I agree with you. I thought that if Corey Anderson was going to win, it was going to be in the long game. It was going to be, you know, a grind. It was going to be him making Johnny Walker carry his weight and get exhausted. Um, but, you know, he went in there, you know, was not scared of Johnny Walker's power, which you got to respect him for that, man. Um, and he, like you said, man, he, he mentioned that he had seen Walker get knocked out the same way with that, with that right hand. And that's what, uh, what Anderson was building up to here. Um, I agree with you. I don't think that Corey Anderson is going to get John Jones. Uh, but I didn't think that if Johnny Walker won, I didn't think he was going to get John Jones either. I think it's too soon. Um, but, yeah, dude, I think Corey Anderson's stock definitely goes up. Uh, like I said, I loved seeing, you know, seeing him, you know, in there just chomping at the bit. You know, like I said, with, uh, like, you know, uh, he walked in there like he had something to prove. And mm -hmm. I think he proved it, you know. Uh, you know, Corey Anderson, I think that after this fight, I don't think anybody's going to be overlooking him again, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, unfortunate for Corey Anderson that uh, his performance will probably get overshadowed and, and not get as much shine because of everything else that went on on this card. Um, and and he, I like what he said that, you know, I, I don't have the charisma like some of these other guys do to to get where I need to be. So I'm going to have to speak with my performances. He knew he needed a, a punctuation mark on Johnny Walker. He couldn't just go in there and grind on him for three rounds and expect to get a title shot. He knew this is what he had to do. And he went out and executed it. Um, I still don't think that he moves the needle enough to get that John Jones fight. And my advice to a lot of people in life is always don't be a problem identifier, be a problem solver. So if you're going to identify a problem, you have to then 
provide a solution. I, I try to live by that as much as possible, but I don't really know what to do with this light heavyweight division. We have a problem here. We have a guy on top and John Jones, and we don't have a suitable opponent. You know, we have Dominic Reyes who, you know, knocked out a Chris Weidman who, who looked like he, he shouldn't have even been in there. Uh, and we have Corey Anderson who had a, an impressive performance over Johnny Walker. All three of these guys, uh, if you asked a random person on the street, nobody would be able to identify them or pick them out of a lineup. Um, and, and that's not a knock on any of these guys. They're all fantastic athletes and, and amazing fighters, but you know, that's just the reality of it right now. Uh, and you know, maybe John Jones will be willing to take one of those fights, but he even said he felt like his last two opponents weren't, you know, notable enough to be getting the title shots, but there's just nobody else. And he doesn't want to do that anymore. He wants a big fight. So John Jones may sit out for a while. I, I know he's got no problem doing that. And he he's done it before, you know, not necessarily his choice to do that, but you know, he knows that he can sit for a while. Um, and I feel like that's, what's going to happen. And we're probably going to end up seeing Corey Anderson fight Dominic Reyes. Um, that's my prediction. I mean, you guys heard it here first at 11:25 a.m. or or 10:25 uh, a.m. or or 7:35 p.m. whatever whatever time you think whatever time you identify it being. <laughs> I mean, it's it's 2019. And like, do we really have to use clocks anymore? We can identify, you know, whatever time we feel like it is. Uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not one to tell people that they have to go by a clock to know what time it is all right let's let's have an open mind here people <laughs> uh in any case man so much to talk about jeff but uh you know for the sake of time we're, we're at 40 minutes here already uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna rush through the rest of this card here i'm gonna talk about every single fight one at a time rapid fire and then i'm gonna turn it back to you and you tell me uh who you were most impressed with shane burgos <laughs> Uh, had some adversity against Makwan Amirakani, who really pushed the pace in the beginning of the fight, but then Burgos came back and he put that pace tenfold back on Amirakani to the point where Amirakani couldn't even stand up a couple of times. I'm surprised Keith Peterson didn't stop it in the third round earlier when Amirakani went to get up and then turned his back immediately. That fight should have been over at that point. It could have been stopped five other times, but in any case, Shane Burgos getting the TKO victory over Makwan Mirakani. I thought he showed so much heart and such an amazing gas tank and the pace he put on him late in the fight was incredible. Edmund Shabazian highlight real head kick knockout over Brad Tavares. Uh, so, you know, another statement by a guy in this middleweight division who had a more impressive victory over a guy than, than the current champ Adesanya. Um, Shabazian is, is just a, a prodigy, man. The kid is so young and so hungry and he's looked so impressive. They keep giving him tougher competition and he keeps, you know, answering the call and, and looking amazing. Uh, Gyrozino Rosenstrike. Uh, unfortunately this went the way that I think most people probably thought it would 29 second knockout over Andre Arlovsky with that short left hook that just put Arlovsky down. Um, I, I hate to see it, man, because Arlovsky's a guy that I, I've been watching, you know, since I've been a fan of MMA, you know, for uh, 15 years or so. Uh, Arlovsky's always been a guy that I have enjoyed watching, but uh, man, I hate seeing him 
take these knockouts from from guys like this. Uh, and, and you can't fault Rosenstrike, and it's not his fault. That's who they put in front of him. Uh, I feel like he's a guy who can do that to just about anybody they put in front of him. But you know, now there's that question mark. You know, is it because? Uh, Arlovsky is fighting on borrowed time here. Uh, Caitlin Chukagian looked awesome uh, against Jennifer Maya, who fucking missed weight again. Um, I, I can't stress that enough, uh, but Chukagian had a great performance. Uh, she'll likely get a title shot against Valentina Shevchenko now, uh, and well-deserved. Uh, Lyman Good, uh, really battered chance rank counter here, and finally got that TKO in, in the third round. We know how tough chance rank counter is. So the fact that Lyman good was able to put him down the way he did, uh, was super impressive. Um, it, it was good to see this fight get stopped and a chance rank counter left in a pile of his own blood. This was a really exciting fight though. Uh, he, he showed his toughness. I mean, he lasted a lot longer than most people would in there with, with Lyman good, uh, taking that kind of beating, uh, Hakeem Dawadu getting a split decision over Julio Arce. Um, this should not have been a split decision. This was a, a clear victory for Hakeem Dawadu. Uh, I don't know why. And maybe it's that one judge, you know, you got that one bad apple out of the three. Um, I'd be curious to know if it was the same one that, that made all these, all these wacky decisions. In any case, Jeff threw a lot at you. Uh, what, what are you throwing back to me? What, what's popping out to you here? Well, all those fights were awesome, but I have to give it to Shane Burgos here. Because, like you said, uh, Amir Khani putting, you know, putting him to work in that first and second round, you know, making him have to grapple, uh, you know, Amir Khani, a very good grappler. And, you know, Shane Burgos had to carry his weight around. He was having a hard time. And then in that third round, Shane Burgos came out and just put the uh, put the pace on him, like you said, you know, just beating the bricks off of him. And Amir Khani uh, got dropped at least two times. Uh, and in those two times, he took his time getting back up. And uh, I felt that the ref should have stopped it at that point, because if it takes you that long to get up, you your body clearly cannot continue. And, you know, um, credit to Shane Burgos, dude. Um, he can, that would do no wrong, Bill. <laughs> um, you know, he just, you know, it, it's, you know, he's a warrior in there, man. Um, and I thought Shane Burgos was going to struggle. Um, I actually thought that Amir Khani would win this fight heading into it, but, uh, Shane Burgos, man, you can never account for that X factor, dude. And he's got, it. you know, he, and so something happened in between the second and third rounds. I don't know what his corner said to him, but he came out with, with just aggression and octagon control, and it was just pushing the pace. And Amir Khani just couldn't deal with it, uh -huh. uh, which I think this is Amir Khani's first loss, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, he he is uh, 15 and four. Ah, okay. And he's got a loss in the UFC to Arnold Allen, but it was a split decision. It was a close one. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, dude, I think, uh, I think I got to give it to Shane Burgos on that one, man. He, you know, this was one of the more impressive fights to me. And it, for me personally, it kind of set the pace for the rest of the night. Cause I, I figured it was going to be a good night of fights after seeing that. Yeah, man. I was definitely impressed with Shane Burgos. He, uh, you know, he beat the fuck out of Murakani and, and 
broke him. I mean, you could see several oh, points. Yeah. You could see several points in there where Americani. There was one point where Burgos had his, his head tied up, and he was just punching Americani in the stomach. Uh, oh yeah. And I, I thought Americani was going to verbally tap at that point. Uh, he didn't, um, but he tapped with his posturing. Um, yeah. You know, he was out of that fight. And uh, it probably could have been stopped a little sooner, but, you know, you got Keith Peterson in there. He's the best referee in the game. I, I don't think there's even a close second, in my opinion. So I got to side with Keith Peterson. Uh, on this one, even though I watching it, I'm like, oh man, you could stop it there, 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 <laughs> there. Definitely when he got up and then turned his back, I, w- I would have said, no, you don't want to be in here, man. This is over. Yeah. Um, in any case, man, what a card. Uh, I was so excited to talk about this card and then looking back over it and like all the fights that I, I forgot I was excited about, um, y- you know, I'm even more excited about it now, man. And I was almost kind of hoping like maybe we need a week off here. Uh, but no, man, we're going to Russia next week. We're going to Russia. So it was beat Magomed Sharapov against Calvin Cater. This fight was supposed to happen in Boston. Uh, but Zabit had to pull out conveniently uh, from Calvin Cater's hometown and said, oh, why don't we do it uh, in Russia? <laughs> so very convenient for him but calvin cater is a is a fucking stud man he's like all right you want to run away from me because it's my hometown you think you're going to be better off uh fighting in your home country let's do it and you know he's going to get on the plane he's going to get there he's going to get into beat's face this is an awesome main event uh two two guys who definitely fly under the radar with with everybody but really hardcore fans and uh, I, th- I think they're going to really put on a show here uh, for the Moscow crowd. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Well, I'm a big fan of Sabit Magomed Shapirov. I feel like give him some time, and I think he will be a featherweight champion one day in the UFC. Um, so I think now's his time to shine, dude. Main event, Calvin Cater's a tough dude as well. You know, he's making a big splash in this featherweight division, which I think it needed because, you know, after Jose Aldo, excuse me, lost to Conor McGregor, I think it kind of opened the gates here for some of these younger guys coming in. So I'm excited. Um, you know, uh, there's some other good fights on here too, but that main event, man, it's making my mouth water, dude. Uh, I I know how good Zabit is. Um, he's gonna Zabit it up next week, dude. <laughs> You're on fire today, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Loving it. Uh, yeah, man. This is uh, you got. Of course, since it's in Russia, you got you got some tongue twisters on here, man. I, I do not envy. Uh, whoever's doing the commentary for this one, this is going to be tough. I imagine it's going to be uh, John Gooden and Dan Hardy. They they got a lot of work to do. Uh, they're going to have to study their alphabet this week because you, you got some names that have the entire alphabet in them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we got some undefeated fighters on here, some, some lesser-known guys that are definitely going to be really tough. I'll give you a couple of fights uh, that, that stick out to me. Definitely uh ed herman man who has just been doing this fucking forever and it's like at this point in your career you've had a million fights and they offer you like hey you want to go to russia and fight like this russian stud with like 26 fights and ed's like sure 
Let's do it. So he's getting in there with Gadzimarad and Tigalov. Um, so that's going to be a fun fight. Obviously, Ed Herman, rarely a boring fight from him. You got Anthony Rocco Martin against Ramazan Amiv. That's going to be a really fun one. Uh, Shamil Gamzatov against Klitsin Abru. Uh, Gamzatov undefeated at 13 and 0. So that's going to be good. Uh, here's one that really stuck out to me. Carl Roberson, uh, who I, I've been pretty high on coming off of the contender series. He's fighting uh, Roman Kopilov. Uh, that should be a really fun fight. I would definitely keep your eye on that one. And Jessica Rose Clark uh, against uh, uh, Pani Kianzad, um, who is on the Ultimate Fighter, the 145-pound uh, ladies season. That, that should be a good fight. Those are two really tough girls who can really scrap. And even though their records don't necessarily show it, um, you know, the, the, those are two girls who can throw down and there's some other interesting matchups on here as well. This is going to be a fun card. It doesn't have the, the star power that the MSG card does, but you know, you got some bad motherfuckers on here too. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, dude, I'm excited for all of these fights. And just going back to Zabit Magomed Shapiro really quick, if you haven't seen him fight, he's very well-rounded. Um, you know, his his stronger suit is really the grappling. He's got some nice judo throws, um, you know, uh, very good submission game, uh, but he's well-rounded. He can stand up with just about anybody. Um, but yeah, dude, I'm excited for this card, man. Uh, Danny Roberts is on here against Zalim Amadiev. And, you know, I think that this is going to be one of those cards that we kind of always mention, one of those dark horse cards where you think it might not be that exciting because there are some fighters you don't know on here, but then it ends up being one of the most exciting cards, uh, uh -huh. you know, in comparison to some of the other stuff that the UFC puts on. But, you know, I, I think it's going to be really hard to follow up uh, last night's card. But I think I think the Russians got this one, man. Yeah, they can it, handle it. Yeah, it's going to be. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be on a hangover from this BMF card and, and probably not tune in for this one. But uh, I think there'll be some highlights. You got uh, Khabib's cousin, I think, too, on here, Abubakar. Or Magomedov. Um, yeah, fun. Fun stuff. Uh, all right, man. We ran a little long this week, so uh, I'm going to pour myself another bourbon until I forget what time it is, too. Uh, <laughs> in any case, this is this was a good time. I had a lot of fun talking about this card. Uh, if you guys have some opinions that you want to share with us, please do so on social media. You can reach Jeff at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. And you guys know how to get a hold of me by now. It's at MMA on the rocks everywhere on social media. We got some fun stuff coming up for you. We got, um, working on a new logo, some new branding. So I'm going to be looking to you guys for some opinions on that. Oh, how could I forget this? Jeff, our good friend, Serena. Oh, Davey, that's right. Made her invicted debut Friday night. I, you know, so much has happened between then and now, but, I definitely want to give a big shout out to Serena. She looked awesome in there, you know, invicted debut. She was the first fight on the card. Um, you know, lost a, lost a decision to a really tough girl. Won the second round though, and, and showed that she can come back from some adversity. She got, she got rocked really hard in that first round and she was able to shake the cobwebs off. Uh, she looked good in the clinch. Her head movement looked really nice. She had an awesome sweep off of a takedown. 
uh, in the first round, I believe. So big shout out to Serena. Uh, you know, knowing her personally, I know that she's going to learn a lot from this experience, from this this tough loss on a big stage. Uh, but she's going to come back uh, ten times better for it. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind. Uh, so big shout out to the Southpaw Outlaw. If you guys aren't familiar with her, um, go back and and check out. Go to the YouTube channel. I I have several clips of interviews with her on on the highlights playlist on the youtube uh so go go over there and look at those one of my favorite people in the sport of mma she's always a good time she's always been good to us and, and we always love talking to her and i'm sure we'll have her back on the show just as sure as i am that she will be back uh better than ever uh any thoughts jeff yeah, dude. Uh, I know she's going to come back strong. She's uh, out of syndicate in Las Vegas, an awesome camp. Um, you know, uh, Serena's a tough chick, dude. And you can tell that just from talking to her. We've had her on the show a few times. She's a good friend of the show. Um, so Serena, a huge shout out to you. We have nothing but respect for what you're doing. And we know you're going to come back stronger. You're going to be in the win column again pretty soon. Hell yeah. All right. Well, long one this week, but uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. And whether you did or you didn't, let us know about it. Reach out on social media. Until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.